Welcome to another episode of Justice Sobriety, where we talk, share, and spill the tea soberly and anonymously. If I sound kind of less like a female right now, it's because I just woke up and my voice is still a little scratchy. So, anyways, I just, I'm driving, so this is part one of whatever, just to warn you. Unlike warning you, well, unlike not warning you last time, but I was just thinking, like, I have some really good people in my corner, as these paramedics I met with say, and I'm just so, so, so lucky. For example, my wife. Um, <clears throat> um, I've put this woman through absolute hell and back during my addiction and even throughout the different stages of my recovery. Um, you know, the addiction is a no-brainer. Like, all the lies and shit that I told her, not being able to keep any fucking promises, or I just, I couldn't keep my word. My It was so unreliable where I would tell her I would do something or whatever, and she just didn't even, she didn't even expect it to happen. She was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, babe. And, of course, when I didn't do it, she was like, yeah, I I fucking figured. Of course, you'd forget. Of course, you'd find a reason not to. And I... I used to think that was, like, a good thing. It's like, yeah, I'm off the hook. But really, I wasn't. She was just slowly starting to hate me more. At least that's what I'm thinking. Maybe, maybe not, maybe hate is a strong word. But there was definitely resentment building. And I just, I just let it happen. Because it was the easier way out than actually facing it and doing something different. So, that was just in my addiction. And then, early sobriety, I was there. I was trying to work it. I wanted to be better. We both knew I wanted to be better. But I didn't know how or what the fuck I was doing. All I knew is I was just starting step work and I was trying to be a person without... without substances and god I it was so bad because this was before I got my VPD diagnosis so I was just feeling all these extreme highs and lows and I didn't even know what the hell what the hell was going on and I didn't know this for about a year into it so there was that, um, and then even, even when things started to get better, maybe a year and a half or so in, um, I was going to so many meetings, even at that point, I was so scared to be alone, and honestly, I'm not scared to be alone anymore. I just do not like it. I do not like where my head goes. So, it's like, 
whenever she's not home and if I'm off of work, like, I'm at a meeting and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I think sometimes it comes off as, you know, it's, it's all I care about and it's, that's not what my intentions are, but I know actions speak louder than words. So it's like, sometimes I don't, I don't really know what to do. It's hard for me to find a balance, but throughout all of this, she has loved me through it. She's been there for me. She's always tried to help me, even if she didn't know how to fucking help me. And, um, you know, luckily in some ways she's been able to find some peace with the fact that I'm the only person that can make me change. So it, I guess it's not really easy to love us. Even, even though I'm in recovery, it doesn't mean all my character defects are gone. I'm just more aware of them. It doesn't mean I know how to change them. Sometimes I can only like pray to my higher power and try to work on them to the best of my ability, but some days are better than others and other like the other days they can be really powerful in my mental health and just like my actions or my life. So I'm Oh, I'm so grateful she's here. And I don't I don't say it enough. I really don't say it enough. I just assume she knows. Although we really only see each other like once a week where we're both actually free. And I think there are times where she goes feeling unappreciated. And that's definitely something I want to work on. Again, with the lack of time that I can actually see her. I just don't always know how. And I'm bad with words. So, there's that. But she's amazing. And she tries her best to understand and just be there. And, you know, that's all I could ever ask for. And I'm, I'm just so, so happy she's in my life. Um, so there's that little rant. It's not a rant. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm so tired, guys. Um, and then other amazing people, like my immediate family, um, who I don't really talk about much on here just for their own privacy um because I don't know who listens really like I think I know a few but I just don't like to talk about them too too much but they have been there for me from the beginning throughout my life and these people I'm talking about they never they never left, you know, it didn't matter what happened, they were always there, they were maybe dealing with their own things sometimes that I didn't understand, 
but they were there and they loved me and I knew I could lean on them if I had to. And now um, my, my second family, as a lot of people call it, my recovery family, oh my god, <laughs> it's so overwhelming sometimes that there are so many people that I know I could just like go up to and just just start having a conversation about anything especially about recovery but really about anything and being in recovery I it took me a while to realize this but it's not just about addiction that we ever talk about it's really just you know life as a whole and dealing with it and learning to be a person again and they're they're going through that shit too and it's just really cool to get different perspectives and there's what I love it's like there's not a thing I can say to these people that's going to shock them even when I'm just like when my mental health is bad and sometimes sometimes it's not like I want to act on it but I'm just you know don't always want to exist don't always want to be here and they're like yeah it's okay just you know write it out you'll be fine you know we're here for you whatever and I'm not saying like my wife or my family aren't they're always here for me um but a lot of times these people are just like, yeah, it's okay. I'm going through that too. And it's not like, I don't, I don't feel like it's going to be a, a big thing. Um, you know, I'm not going to end up in a psych ward just because I'm being honest about it. And sometimes it just feels good to talk about it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm fine. But my, my mental illness, it creeps up on me sometimes, and it's just nice that people don't, like, panic when I mention anything like that, because I'm at the point where, at least right now, I'm, I'm grateful enough and lucky enough that I don't feel the urge to act, actually act on it, um, and speaking of that, it's kind of the next topic I wanted to touch today, or at least in this little part, um, you know, suicidal thoughts have been a very common topic the past week or so, and it's concerned me with others more than others. I I don't know how to word that. It's concerned me more with some people than others, but they're also in different points in their lives and not not all of them are like in a program or actively seeking help. So when I hear, you know, from one person that they're going through it, I I I worry a bit more and I I handle it differently. And it's not that I don't worry about the other one, but again, like they're they're 
there's sometimes like in a program and I know that they have tools and resources and they're they're still showing up and they're still seeking help so it's like I feel like their chances are a little better and sometimes they just need to talk it out and yeah the other person might need to talk it out too but it's just different because they they don't have a program or I feel as many resources and that's just my opinion I mean I could be wrong but I don't feel like any mental health case should be handled the same and no I'm not a professional but when friends reach out I, I still have the opportunity to be there for them as I see fit and as I know how. Um, I, I'm just... It just makes me think back to when I was seriously feeling that and seriously considering acting on it. And it's a really scary thing. And it's a really lonely thing. And sometimes all it takes is just to have someone that cares And a lot of times in those moments, it's easy to think that no one does care, that you're just a burden. And that's not the case at all, but it doesn't matter what people try to drill into your head. If that's what you believe at the time, then that's what you believe. And I just want anyone listening who might be thinking about this stuff, like, you do fucking matter and there's always always hope and no one would be happier if you did it like it's it's not gonna make anyone happier it's not gonna make anyone's lives easier like if you have really bad like self-esteem it's it's not gonna make anyone's life better if you're not here and that that's just that's the truth. We we all have a purpose here. And, yeah, like, I don't know what the point is sometimes either. I don't know why we were all born, but we're, we're here. Might as well do something with it. Um, I just... I just feel really strongly about this because I just... I care about people a lot more than I used to. And you know what? Just because I brought it up, um, okay, so just to not be discreet, because I'm not really discreet about anything, but in case you're having some problems, or if you know someone having some problems, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24 hours. Um, here it says it's in English and Spanish. I'm sure there's other lines with other languages, but it's 800-273-8255. I haven't used this line in particular, but I have used a crisis line before and they were really helpful they were really 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 um genuine and understanding and they actually you know wanted to 
talk and just listen and be there. And there were times where I just felt like I was too much for the people I cared about and I didn't want to scare them away or think I was actually going to do anything. So um, I called the hotline and we just talked for like an hour and um, it just it just helped and I felt a little better and I felt like I had a little more hope. So um, don't be afraid to use that. Don't be afraid to reach out to help. Reach out for help. Um, there's there's quite a few people in my life that I just, I worry about sometimes because they're, some of them aren't in recovery and they deal with mental health issues and they really don't like, you know, therapists or psychiatrists or medicine or anything like that. And it's just, you know, they think they can I'm not saying they can't, but, you know, they think they can just get through it all on their own. And some of them have, some of them haven't. And, you know, it's not up to me. I cannot control anyone. I can't help with anyone's mental health but my own. But it's just, it just makes me sad. Um, I just want people I care about to be okay and I know it's not up to me I can only do me and work on myself and just be there for others and there I know it's like one of the hardest lessons I had to learn in recovery it's like you cannot help anyone that doesn't want it and the people that do they'll get help for themselves But either way, I'm still here for them, and I still love them, and I'm learning that's all I can do, and that's okay. (sighs) Well, there might be a part two to this, but I have to go into work. So, at least for this episode, one part is not just ten minutes. I'm trying to be better, guys. Um... So just hold on for a couple seconds, and then I'm sure it'll switch over to, like, a part two. And then it'll probably be, like, eight-plus hours later, but I'll make sure there's a part two. Okay, so bye for now. Welcome to part two, and as I warned you about the time difference between the parts beforehand, um, when I stopped my first part recording, it was 9 a.m., and it is now 10.38 p.m., so as promised, here I am, super late, but I'm here. (laughs) Okay, so... As before, I was talking about, like, mental health, and I was just thinking, um, I'm driving home. I'm always driving when I do these. I don't recommend it. It's probably not safe. Um, you can yell at me later, I guess. But anyways, I was thinking about mental health, and I was also thinking about calling one of my friends, and so this friend who will remain anonymous, 
travels for work. And most of the time it's only for like a weekend or the longest so far since I've known her has been like two weeks at a time. Okay. I promise that's not my car. I could not afford a car that sounds that gets that loud. Okay. But this friend, she's normally gone for like the most two weeks at a time, but this time she left on um, Thursday. It is now Sunday. And I saw her on Wednesday night. So Wednesday, Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's only been like four days since I've seen her. Which usually I would shrug off and be fine with because I knew I would like see her again. So it just didn't seem that bad. But because I'm not going to see her until sometime January. In my head it's like what the fuck it's only been four days. (laughs) It's ridiculous how my head does this because normally it just doesn't seem this bad and sometimes I just I really oh god I love her so much she's such a good friend but I hate how attached I get to people because I get attached and I have the absolute worst abandonment issues and it's not, it's not her fault, it's no one, well, it's not her fault. I, I have, I have some trial, childhood trauma that I've mentioned before, but because of these extreme abandonment issues, my brain is just, like, freaking out, and although I know she's fine, I know she'll be fine, I just, like, can't get over the fact that it's not gonna be until January, until she gets home. And I don't like change. I can be a little spontaneous, but I don't like change. And I get used to seeing people and, you know, spending a certain amount of time with them, and then when it stops, like, I literally have to readjust you know, (laughs) how I do things, and I feel like normal people can do that easier, and it's not, it doesn't feel like such an adjustment, but, um, sometimes people become, like, a favorite person, and it's a term for people who have borderline, and I think she became that, or, like, one of them, (laughs) and I just miss her and I feel like it wouldn't be so bad if I didn't have borderline like of course I'd still miss her because I care about her but it it just wouldn't be so severe especially after only only four days (laughs) and um 
I was I was just visiting my parents and my my stepmom is a therapist so like when my when my mental health kind of changes a little bit I I just randomly vent to her and she's trying to watch this baseball game and I don't care I'm just like so anyways I'm not sure if I want to get back on my meds or not or get another psychiatrist or not or do this or do that (laughs) and she's like "Mm mm-hmm yeah uh uh-huh like sure and I'm still talking and she's still trying to watch her baseball game and her team is losing at the time I'm like releasing all my shit on her so it's probably not helping either of our situations because in this moment I'm like demanding to be heard and she just wants to watch her game which is fair because it's like one of her only days off but I was telling her just kind of like how things have been changing like when I got off of my psych meds I wasn't I, I was anticipating my life to stay remotely the same, but it has not whatsoever. And as I'm trying to adjust to all of these life changes on top of a major life change that I already made to get off the meds, like, it's been pretty rough. And I'm just concerned maybe not concerned, but I've been conflicted because before when I was on my, my meds, I couldn't stay on them consistently. I just, there were so many, so many things internally that was stopping me from doing that. (laughs) And I'm just unloading my shit on her. And eventually like I, I guess I said something that, like, maybe not sparked her interest, per se, because I'm her daughter, and she's got to deal with all my shit, but I, I was mentioning to her that, not mentioning, I asked her, I was like, so does it make sense to feel, like, scared to be yourself in most situations, because you're worried your entire personality is kind of like a liability and she she asked me to explain and I was just like well I feel like in almost any situation I'm in I have to like constantly pause and not just react because I feel like anytime I just want to say something or just do the first thing that comes to my head that I would naturally do the situation would get worse and I'm trying to be a better person and do things differently and I feel like I constantly have to like pause but for things that people would just need like 30 seconds to pause I need a few days to pause and then go back to it and she was just like well you got to constantly think of the consequences if you don't (laughs) I was just I mean I don't want to say I was disappointed by that answer, but it's just the truth that I guess I didn't want to hear because who wants to constantly think about consequences if we, if we don't behave a certain way in any situation, like it really sucks. And I know it's just a part of 
trying to grow and, you know, get, get rid of or improve upon character defects, especially in recovery when you're working a program, but it just really hit me and I couldn't argue with it, (laughs) but it just really hit me. Um, and I just feel like this in so many situations, like, whenever we move, we're going to have some roommates, and we want to stay for this lease for at least more than a year, like, at least two years, but it, it would work out fine with the rest of them, but the determining factor of whether we actually stay for two years is whether or not I can actually handle living with multiple people again because the last two or three times we've tried that it ended up in a disaster because I couldn't handle it so it's like (laughs) I don't know I just feel like sometimes I have to walk on a lot more eggshells than others just so things go even slightly pleasantly and I don't know if it's just a borderline thing I don't know if it's just a recovery thing or maybe it's just like a human thing and because I have had all these diagnoses with like anxiety and borderline and substance abuse and all that like I forget It could just be a normal thing. (laughs) Then I feel like people without these issues don't overthink it this much either. So I just, I'm trying to be more open and vulnerable and share where I'm at because I may have two years clean or sober, but that doesn't mean... I'm perfect. I'm just trying to be better than I was the day before or sometimes even the minute before because technically we can start our day over and over again at any time, which is great. But there's just, yeah, that's just something that has been on my mind. Um, Oh, another thing. Because I, in the first part of this podcast episode, I mentioned that, you know, having to call paramedics and just, just some advice if you ever have to call paramedics on someone who you think is a harm to themselves or may have hurt themselves or just a danger to themselves or others just some some answers that will make it a little easier during the phone call to know and I mean of course every every call is different but just from my experience I I was asked of course like the person's name and age but it it was more like um are they are they aggressive? Do they have a weapon? Are they conscious? Are they breathing? Um, 
do they have any diagnosed mental disorders? Is it, um, do they know that you're, that we're coming? And just a bunch of different things like that. And, and then of course, like the, the whole COVID thing, they're asking if they're, if they have been vaccinated or if they have been exposed. And, um, I don't know, like, it just kind of hit me earlier when I was thinking about that, because I, I had to call, well, I chose to call paramedic center on someone, and those things came up during the call, of course, like, the location and shit, but, you know, I'm just really glad I didn't have to say, oh yeah, this person isn't breathing, or they're not conscious, because I know that's what other calls consist of, and I'm just really grateful that the friend that I called about is still alive, and they're willing to get help, slowly, of course, but, you know, the willingness is what matters. And, um, I just really hope that people are willing to talk about their mental illness or seek help if they think they might have one. And if they get diagnosed, do what's suggested because not doing what's suggested can either cause people to relapse if they're in a program of recovery or hurt themselves or other people and it's just a scary situation so I know this episode hasn't been like the lightest of topics but well I'm not really one to shy away from anything just because it's uncomfortable so anyways I I think that's enough for this episode. So, I love you guys. Um, if there's anything that you want me to talk about, please let me know. And um, take care of yourselves until next time. Bye!